Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Good morning, Bucknoters. Welcome to the Bucknuts Morning 5 here on Monday, October 4th, 2021. I am Dave Biddle. I am very happy to be joined by our special guest, Doug Lamarice from Cleveland.com. He's the host of the Buckeye Talk podcast. Doug, first of all, thank you very much for your time. I'm having you on the show to talk about a recent two-part, four-hour podcast that you did. Fantastic stuff. Looking at the Ohio State beat, you interviewed several members of the beat, and we will get to all of that including your main takeaways from your four-hour podcast. I really enjoyed listening to every minute of it. But I want to start off with kind of getting into your background a little bit, how you became a sports writer. I know you went to Northwestern. Did you know you wanted to be a sports writer when you went to Northwestern? And what was your first job out of college? Yeah, no, I knew that for sure. I went to the journalism school there. And, uh, you know, there's just a lot of really good people there. So I was was just kind of trying to keep my head above water. I always tell the story there that my freshman year at Northwestern, I didn't do anything with the school newspaper in the the fall or in the winter. And I went in the spring. It's like, Hey, I'm here. What what you got for me? And they said, well, we have a, another freshman who's our softball beat writer and you can go with that person and help them keep stats at the softball game. And I was like, man, I'm not here to keep stats for some other freshman. I'm not doing that. I'm out. And so I left and I didn't go back to the paper for like another two years. And the person that they wanted me to keep stats for that day, the high achieving freshman was uh, Rachel Nichols. So that was, uh, so I was just like, I'm too good for this. It's like, I'm too good to, you know, <laughs> hang out with somebody who then had their own ESPN show. So, um, so I was lucky, just kind of made my way through there. And then I, I met my wife at college, who was also a journalism major. And then she found a job out of college and she was kind of like, well, listen, we're getting married. If you want me, you got to take this guy. And they were like, all right, we'll take him too. So I got a job in the suburbs of Chicago for two and a half years, covered some big 10 football. I uh, got to cover some Chicago Bulls, which was cool. And then I worked in the Philadelphia suburbs for eight years before I came to the Cleveland Plain Dealer. And you joined the Ohio State beat in 2005. What were your initial impressions? Was this, And when you got the job, were you thinking, oh, this is, this is what I want to do. This is fun. Uh, what were your initial impressions of the job? This, that it was massive, right? That I was a Major League Baseball beat writer for four years 
covering the Philadelphia Phillies. And when I started there, there were kind of like about eight people on that beat, eight different outlets. And there may be, I was one of like maybe four people who traveled regularly. And then at our paper, we covered uh, the university of Delaware football was a big deal for us. You know, that, that division one double a level. And we were the only be- outlet. There was one paper that covered them and like our beat writer, remember, I didn't ever cover them, but I talked to him and he was like, oh yeah, you do this, whatever. He just had like that kind of beat where you're like walk in the coach's office. And I was like, cool. I was to walk in the coach's office kind of beat. And then you come here and there's like 30 people. And it's like, well, when do I get to walk in the coach's office? It's like, that's not how we do things here. So it was just so gigantic that, um, and that the access was sort of, you're sort of boxed in on the access a little bit, which almost helped me, right, Dave, that if everybody was just constantly able to weave in and just you're grabbing people on your own, whatever, it's like, well, that's great. But then you feel even more behind. But then it was like, well, okay, we're all kind of getting the same interviews. But then I realized, oh, there's all the kinds of people who have sources and are getting, you know, stuff on the side. And I'm not getting any of that. My God, Tim May. Oh, my God. How do you compete with a guy like Tim May? So it was like intimidating for a while of like, how do you possibly try to find your way on a beat? this huge, right, man? I mean, it's just, there's a lot of people and a lot of good people. And so it took a while to sort of figure that out. I want to get into the podcast now and your main takeaways. Um, to start out with though, um, let, I want to let everybody know, watch the podcast, listen to the podcast. How can they do that on Spotify, right? Just get on Spotify, do a search for Buckeye talk. Yep. Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, Google podcasts, where most of your podcast platforms just put in Buckeye talk and you'll find it. And it was uh, a four, two piece, two part, four hour pod was the, the media one a couple weeks ago, but we do it five days a week there. It's fantastic. It's absolutely fantastic. But I do want to get into the one that, uh, that I was on that you had a lot of uh, fellow beat writers on. So what were your main takeaways? It was such an interesting podcast from so many different angles. Uh, first of all, why did you want to do that podcast and what were your main takeaways from it, Doug? So it was obviously spurred by what happened at Buckeye scoop and the attention that that was getting both among Ohio State fans and kind of around the country, sort of the inner workings uh, of the Ohio State beat a little bit. So I wanted to talk about sort of the difference between the people who cover the team as journalists and the message board culture of Ohio State, which are both, I think, important parts of the beat, but are very different, but can get kind of smushed together in a sometimes not great way for anybody if we pretend that it's all the same thing and it's not the same thing. And so that spurred it. But then I also just wanted to get into, I just never know, Dave, how much people care about the sort of the inside baseball kind of stuff, like how this happens. And then when I asked our, our listeners at Buckeye talk, like, Hey, I'm thinking of doing this. It was like 85% were like, yes, do this. And I was like, okay, well then I guess people are interested. So I just wanted to, to, make sure people understood how many good out, how many and how many good outlets there are doing this and then show people that some Dave, we wouldn't, we wouldn't all be doing this if we couldn't all make money doing it. Right. So that it's sustainable and it's sustainable because a, the fan, mostly a, the fan base is humongous and passionate. And that's why we all have jobs, but B, because I do think we all do it a little bit differently from each other that we give people options that were, and that was almost not a revelation for me, but it clarified it for me that we all cover the same team, but we don't all do it the exact same way. And I think that's why why we all can survive and thrive. 
What do you think of message boards after? Because that was a big crux of the show was talking about message boards. What did you kind of learn about that? And what are your personal thoughts on message boards? You guys kind of have a cool thing on cleveland.com for those that don't know. You don't have message boards. We have a text service that um, that you guys have. I think it's what, like $3.99 a month. You guys yeah. are giving like inside information and your thoughts to um, your readers. Kind of your version of a message board, kind of what you're saying. We all kind of do things differently. Uh, the message boards themselves though, you know, like – they can be toxic. They can be fun, as we talked about on your podcast. From your perspective, what do you think of college football message boards, and specifically Ohio State message boards? So I do think in general, I always kind of wanted message boards at cleveland.com, and we sort of had a very small version of them that then really didn't have much at all. Because from a professional standpoint, you're, you're letting the fans create content for you, right? That It's a reason that people say, hey, I'm going to go to that site today, and it's not even because of anything the employees wrote or recorded. It's just, I want to see what other fans have to say. That is a great business model because the fans are working for free, man. I don't know if we should tell them that they're doing the work for free, but it's because they love it. It's because the passion is there. So I love that part of it. And then when the journalists get involved and interact on there, I always kind of wanted it, but then I also understood that it is time consuming and it can be to moderate it and keep things you know, in line and have a good conversation and don't let a couple rotten apples spoil everything. I know that can be difficult as well, but the main thing is I think we all can smush it together sometimes when it's just not, it's just not. And there really are such separate things. It's the difference between, you know, the magazines that you find, this is all, you know, back in the old days, that would be at the, in line at the supermarket on the way to the checkout counter and, you know, the Chicago Tribune and the Columbus Dispatch and the Los Angeles Times like, and big time mainstream newspapers. Nobody pretends they're the exact same thing, but they all have they all exist for a reason and they all fill different roles. And so I think that's kind of what message boards and what the professional journalists are. And it just doesn't serve anybody when we pretend it's the same. And I think the problem that had come up lately is that sometimes the message boards pretend or not pretend, act as if or call out journalists or act like, well, we did this, whatever. It's like, come on, man, like, what are you doing? And then it's also the, as you said, the sort of the toxic nature as the country has just gotten more divided and more antagonistic, everything gets more antagonistic. And that includes college football message boards. And I, you would hope that would be a place where, hey, I'm going to go to college football message board, just hang out and have fun and not think about life. And unfortunately, that's not how it is. But that's just that's just society in general right now. Ari Wasserman from The Athletic, who you used to work with at Cleveland.com, um, said something interesting on the podcast. I I'm curious to get your reaction to it when I was listening. Um, he said he looks at what we do as we're entertainers. I've never heard somebody say that. I, that really piqued my interest. Do you agree with Ari that in addition to being journalists, and he, I think he even said we're mo mostly entertainers than journalists. Do you agree with Ari on that? I think from a podcast perspective, I think that's – pretty true but i do think the main thing is what allows us to be entertainers is the journalistic underlying factor that i don't think you can entertain anybody in something like this unless they trust you and unless they believe you because it's not as fun to try to be entertained by somebody and then be like i don't know was that guy making stuff up or lying or what but if it's like well no i i kind of you know they're shooting you straight here and then it's interesting on top of that. I do think it has gotten to that point 
that it's because and that's kind of what we're talking about in the way we all do things a little bit differently. You can't just present it. Right. Because it's you can get anywhere. It's like, oh, Jeremy Ruckert had a good block. OK, cool. But it's like, well, what else? Because I know Jeremy Ruckert had a good block. And the other thing, too, Dave, is that fans are so much smarter. They do the base. It's not even that they get the basics from other outlets. They do the basics themselves. They rewatch the games. They slow the film down and watch the Jeremy Ruckert block. They listen to the press conferences live. It's like, if you don't give them a little bit something on top of that, it's like, well, I'm my own journalist now, which is a great thing for readers and listeners. But man, we better, we better have a little fun or have a unique something or, or do a little bit extra reporting or they're going to be like, well, I knew that. But I do think that I certainly, I mean, all I do is talk anymore, Dave. I barely write anymore. And when I got here, I was writing a game story and a notebook and a feature. And I mean, you know, podcast didn't exist. So I am much more on the entertainment side than the journalism side than I used to be for sure. But I hope there's a layer of journalism underneath everything I do. There certainly is. You ask fantastic questions. You ask the best questions on the beat. As I said on your podcast, I'm not ashamed to admit that. I feel like I ask good questions. You are number one. You ask the best questions. And I like that you uh, kind of joke about how you like never write anymore. Maybe you're not joking. Maybe you actually don't write anymore. You just do podcasts. No, you write a little sure. bit. A little bit. I, I don't write during the week very much anymore. I write off Ohio State games. I write off of Browns games. But you you can go search for how often I write like Monday through Friday. And it is not a lot. Well, yeah, you're doing like a two hour podcast every day, though. So, yeah. you know, giving the people what they want. It's fantastic stuff. So just a few more things will get you out of here. But again, make sure you guys listen to Doug's podcast. It's fantastic. There's room for both. We've got the morning five. Uh, definitely still listen to the Bucknuts Morning 5 and make sure you listen to Buckeye talk as well. It's great stuff. Right, now, I said something on your podcast that I've given this a lot of thought and I, I'm sticking with it. I, again, we would need to crunch the numbers, but I'm curious your take on this. I think we have the largest beat in American pro sports, not pro sports, in American sports, including pro sports. The largest beat in American sports. Forget about just football, college football. We've got the largest beat in American sports. Am I missing something? You know, I was going to do, speaking of journalism, I was going to do more journalism to try to figure that out. And I didn't have time to do it because I was too busy entertaining everybody. But I do think, because the thing is, Dave, all of the, and it's funny, it's, I mean, nobody differentiates anymore. Oh, there used to be websites and newspapers. It's like, what are you talking about? The whole world's a website now. But for instance, 24-7 and Rivals and Scout and On3 and all that kind of stuff, that doesn't, that's not the same in pro sports, right? So there's not as many dedicated outlets like that around the New York Yankees or the, the Dallas Cowboys or that kind of thing. And then just with newspapers, the numbers of those have dwindled. I mean, there used to be a time, I think, when like, you know, on the Yankees beat, there just would have been every smaller paper in New York and New Jersey and everybody would have a beat writer and with consolidation and papers closing and cutting back like that's not how it is anymore. So I would think that you're right. I don't know for sure, but I just know when you look at Alabama or Clemson or Texas, or you try to do it in college football, I don't think there's anybody like us. I don't think there's nobody like us. And then when you go to pro sports, I mean, even just look at the Cleveland Browns, the Cleveland Browns are a tremendously passionate, important team that cleveland.com also covers. And there's like three other newspapers and like a website or two right? That covers them on sort of a regular basis. And that's not, not even half of what Ohio state is. So I think you're right, Dave. And if maybe that'll be an off season project, it would be interesting to, 
just go around and say, because it, it, it's like, to me, that's people who show up, right? That, and it's great. Everybody who's just doing it, commenting from home, that's great. There's room for those people too. But I'm talking about the people who are in the room paying people to do this. I can, I, I bet Ohio State is, is the largest. I mean, you think about how big a football team is and we we do a lot of the press conferences from the team room and we don't fill up every seat, but we fill up pretty close to every seat in the team room with yep. that, that includes TV. It's not just the beat writers, but it's, it's insane how, how big the beat is. All right. Now you don't have to name names or anything, but one thing that cracked me up on the podcast was hearing you talk about how you've gotten into yelling arguments with yeah. reporters. Maybe one was me and I just said selectively forgot about it. You don't have to name names, but unless you want to, but maybe tell a funny story or maybe it's not funny. I don't want to get your blood boiling of maybe some arguments you've had with reporters where you've had to scream at another reporter any funny stories you can pass along? So, so there was, I think I said on the pod, there were two. And then as I was talking later, I was like, you know what? I apologize. It was actually at least five. And now I'm going to make, this is a new apology, Dave, because more people have brought them up to me. And it's at least 10. It's at least 10 times that it's happened. I've blocked out some of them. People were like, well, there was a time you yelled at me. I was like, man, I wasn't even counting that one. I totally forgot that. Uh, the one, the, the one that was the biggest was, when Ohio state was playing Alabama in the semifinal and we were all in new Orleans and they had a media day and you could go around like, they had like 25 Buckeyes on the field at the Superdome and they all had little individual tailors. You can go around and talk to them. So I went around, we all did. We all went around and talked to everybody on our own. It wasn't a news conference setting. And I asked a bunch of people about Darren Lee. Cause I was doing a feature on Darren Lee. It was sort of like a day of the game. Like this guy's going to be really important to this game. And it was all about how he's a first year starter and he kind of has this cocky confidence and people had to get used to it, but he's such a great player. And I had all these great quotes from people. And before I could write it in new Orleans, somebody in Ohio who did not go to that game wrote it with my, with the quotes that I asked. And I was like, how is this possible? You're in Ohio on your couch and you have all my quotes. And I call them my quotes because it wasn't a news conference. And I walked around and I asked these questions for a specific reason. So that person somehow had gotten somebody who was in New Orleans that had dropped recorders at different players to send them all the quotes from New Orleans. And then they had heard everything and were like, oh, here, here's like five different people talking about Darren Lee. I'm going to write this story from Ohio. And I was like, what are you doing? <laughs> so first of all, you're not even here. My company is paying me to be here. But even if you had your friends send you the sound, it's like the professional courtesy. This is not just everybody's asking about what you have to do to stop Bama. Everybody's asking, hey, Cardale Jones, right? The general questions that, of course, need to be asked. If you're taking some of those quotes I don't know. I guess it's not the end of the world. I don't love you sitting in Ohio getting all the quotes from New Orleans, but that's also on the person who passed them along. So then they wrote the story before I did. So now it looks like I'm copying them on the story that I asked every question for and had the idea of. So when I got home, I called that person on the phone and we had a we had an MF conversation that did, went on for a long time. And my fa I was in the basement. My family was upstairs like, is Doug, is dad like murdering somebody on the phone right now? <laughs> and it was just like, what? And like that person like didn't, didn't get why I was mad. It was like, well, they said it. And I was like, yes, because I asked it five states away while you were on your couch and you just took it. You don't know why I'm mad. So like that person who knows who they are, like, I mean, that's, I, 
like that's will never be forgiven. Like I will never, I've said hello to that person since then, but that to me is like, you're just a hack, which I told them a hundred times on that phone call. I love it. You got to finish with some beef here, Doug. I won't take up any more of your time. I know you have a five hour podcast that you've got to get to <laughs> yourself, my friend. Um, thank you so much for your time and insights. Really appreciate it. Thanks for having me, Dave. Thank you to all of the listeners out there for tuning into the show. Also appreciate that very much. Hope everyone has a great day. Let's hear that Buckeye swag, best damn band in the land. Picture this, it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.